A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, if you're getting together with family over the festive season, the chances are that siblings will play a part. And for those of us that have them, sibling relationships are typically our most enduring close relationship and sometimes the only link with our past. What's surprising then is that sibling relationships have been much less studied than parent-child relationships. And that's despite the frequent use of siblings and twin studies, case control studies and widespread interest in birth order effects. Our guest is Naomi White, who's been researching how siblings influence a child's development and can also give some insight into how parents should deal with sibling conflict at Christmas. She's co-written Why Siblings Matter, the Role of Brother and Sister Relationships in Development and Well-Being. Naomi's in the Dunedin studio. Good morning. Hi. Was it Thanks a colleague? For me. You're most welcome. Was it with a colleague in Cambridge that you did this work, Naomi? Yeah, so um my the book is co-written with Professor Claire Hughes at the Centre for Family Research at Cambridge, who was my uh, PhD supervisor. Um, so it was a project that we worked on together after my PhD when we realised that there wasn't really um, there wasn't really a book that gave a really good general overview of sibling relationships and why they matter for children's development. So we wanted to kind of produce something that could be useful uh, both for psychologists um, and students but also for sort of um, in a more applied sense for people working with families like social workers, um, paediatricians, that sort of thing. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, given how common it is, how significant it is, how we talk about sibling rivalry almost as if it's a, you know, it's a hyphenated word, the mm. whole the, the whole sibling relationship, and yet the, it hasn't been studied in quite the way you've gone about it. Is because is it because we're so focused on par- parental child relationships that it's almost just been neglected? Um, yeah, I think so. I think there has been a really strong focus on parent-child relationships, particularly um, on mothers, really. And then gradually we're kind of developmental psychologists are gradually kind of expanding that and realising that there's there are more people involved, you know, there's fathers, there's siblings, and, and now probably there's, there's you know, grandparents and um, a whole other host of people who are involved in children's lives. But it is surprising that siblings have been sort of um, so overlooked. And although... Um, there are now um, a group of sort of, you know, there are researchers who look into sibling relationships, but it's still quite a niche topic um, within psychology. If you compare kind of the amount of research done on parent-child relationships, it's huge compared with what's known about sibling relationships. Um, and it's, yeah, very surprising, really. And it's often niche. It's things like the twin studies or the birth order studies. You know, if you're born first, what are your mm. characteristics compared to if you're born third or last? How did you go about the research? I think there's a there's a obviously a wonderful longitudinal study happening in New Zealand, but I think it was one in the UK. Is it Toddlers Up? Did it provide quite a bit of information? Yeah. Um, yeah so a lot of uh, my research and um, Claire Hughes's research was focused on um, uh, yeah, the Toddlers Up study, which is a study that Claire had started. Um, so it followed a group of uh, nearly 150 uh, families from around Cambridge and the surrounding counties, and these families were. Um, they tried to select families who were a bit more um, socially, to create a sample that was a bit more socially diverse um, than most developmental samples. So they're trying to um, find families who are perhaps less well off or um, who were uh, families, single parent families. Uh, so 
not just your typical kind of middle class families. They were trying to get some diversity um, into that sample. Um, and so that, those families were followed since um, when the target children were two years old. And I think they're now probably about 15 or 16. Um, and so my work was sort of involved with that uh, using kind of uh, some of the information that we collected when the children were three, six, ten, and twelve, so spanning quite a um, quite an age span really, with a number of sort of transitions, so sort of transition to school and the move up to secondary school. So quite an interesting time and a time of a lot of changes um, in children's lives. What are some of the things that you've learned and that you've written about? Oh, so um, in a number of different kind of aspects to what we looked at, uh, one thing that we looked at was the role of the quality of sibling relationships in predicting children's ability to get on with peers, their social competence. And what we wanted to look at was whether parents or siblings were more important for children's social competence and whether that changed um, during childhood. And what we found from that is if you look at sort of children at three or at six when they're quite young, um, it was the quality of the parent-child relationship that mattered the most for how they got on with their peers. Um, and siblings were less important. But when we got to the ages of 10 and 12, um, suddenly the influence of siblings was much stronger. Um, so having positive sibling relationships was much more important for children's social competence and their ability to get on with um, their peers. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, as children, you know, when children are quite young, um, their kind of whole life is quite contained within the home. And then as they get older, they develop more and more friendships outside of the home. And I think siblings are kind of almost a bridge between um, peers and, and the home life, um, that they're a bit more like peers and that perhaps they're people that um, children can talk to about things that they don't really want to talk to the, their parents about. So they kind of bridge um, home life and, and kind of the life outside the home. What other things? It's often perceived as being a potentially fractious or competitive relationship. What do we know about the nature of interactions and experiences that siblings have? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right that it's quite a unique relationship and that it, it's got that kind of love-hate quality um, that's really characteristic of the sibling relationship. And I think there's a reason for that. Um, especially in childhood, the sibling relationship is pretty much involuntary. Um, you know, you're living at home with your siblings. You can't get away from them. And because of that, um, it's a kind of context where you can um, kind of do whatever you like a, a little bit because you know that your sibling isn't going to, your sibling's still going to be there. Um, if you contrast that with friendships, if you're really mean to your friend, um, they're probably just going to stop being friends with you. But if you do something mean to your sibling um stuck you know, with you. <laughs> you, they, you they're stuck with you and so it kind of yeah so it kind of some of those kind of aspects but also it's a very yeah you spend a lot of time together and um, so it kind of creates this kind of uh, what we often call ambivalence so I think you've you've got um you know very positive interactions but um very negative ones as well so children might be siblings might be playing together really nicely one second and then you know the next second world war three is kind of erupted you know over something really small um so i think conflict is quite a um quite a normal part of um sibling relationships and there is some research that high levels of conflict can lead um to difficulties particularly um sort of conduct problems anxiety and depression um, but I think some level of conflict 
is completely normal. You know, you can think of it as being, I guess, horribly normal, normal, particularly for parents. But it is, it is very normal. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a, from that point of view, it's a very interesting relationship, I think, because it's really the only of our close relationships that can sustain that much conflict. I guess. Well, let's start at the very beginning because mm. the arrival of uh, <clears throat> of a sibling. Can be it's obviously a moment in time, but it can go well or it can be uh, perceived as, as as being a threat. And are both of those sort of polarised mm. perspectives? What 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 does what do the studies suggest? Is the range yeah. and also the most common experience of the arrival of a new sibling with siblings? So that's a kind of, that's a really interesting question because um, if we go back, um, so, so if we go back sort of fifty sixty years, psychologists in the fifty and 60s tended to um, talk about the arrival of a new sibling as this horribly traumatic thing that children went through. Um, but now our more modern studies suggest that that's not necessarily the case. It can be difficult for some children, and it's, um, but it's not always difficult. And um, really parents can do a lot to kind of help that um, transition. I mean, obviously it is a, a change in fa- family dynamics. You know, you go... Um, from just having parents and a child and just having those sort of three relationships to suddenly having so many more relationships um, to deal with. Um, but it's also uh, interesting to think historically how the way we handle that transition to siblinghood has changed. Um, when uh, these early psychologists who were saying it was a very traumatic experience were talking, um, the way we handled births was very different so often the the mum would be away from the family for quite some time in hospital the children might not necessarily be able to visit her Um, they might not have been told very much about what was happening whereas now um, you know children can often go and see their mum in the hospital straight after um, she's had baby you know um, there's much more involvement of the child and there are like there are lots of um, books designed to kind of explain what's happening, um, what this new baby will mean um, to the older child. So the way that our um, way of dealing with the birth of a new child is much more sort of child-focused and involving the child, which I think is a really good thing in terms of making um, it an easier process um, for children. And I think as well there's, um, there's lots of things parents can do um, as well, particularly about kind of explaining about the new child and how the child, you know, has her own, her, his or her own kind of needs and wants and desires. So explaining the baby as a as an entity, as a, a real person, um, can be really helpful, and that can foster um, positive relationships, sibling relationships later on. But also the involvement of other people in the family. So the um, you know the involvement of fathers and other family members becomes really important there, so that the older child is still getting kind of attention and support that they need, even uh, among the fuss of the new baby. Another change that's happened in that time is to family size. I'm very mm. curious as to. What, if anything, from the research, and, and because that um, primary um, source, the, the, they're still school age, aren't they? I, mm. I don't know if your other research indicates it. What, what, what the impact of that is, being one of two versus being one of, you know, however many, um, sometimes very different personalities. Is, is, is there anything significant that can be drawn in sibling relationships within different sized families? Um, so there have been a few people that looked at it, have looked at this idea, um, but the results are very inconclusive. Um, on the one hand, you've kind of got this idea that perhaps you have a the more the merrier type thing, where um, 
if you've got more siblings, you've got kind of more role models and it's a, more of a positive thing. But on the other hand, you can think of it if you have lots of children, then you've probably got there's more competition for resources. And the studies that have tried to look at this empirically have sort of been very mixed. There's not really any um, any clear kind of clear-cut answer to this. And I think really it depends a lot on the family. You know, some for some families, having a, a larger family is, is definitely what they want and is works for them. And for some people, just having a smaller family um, is better. So I, I think there's not sort of one ideal no. family size. Um, there probably are some differences, but it's diff very difficult to kind of um, to study empirically and find um, a, a clear-cut answer, I think. It's interesting as to whether there's a difference in relationships where there are multiple siblings, perhaps, rather than just one or, or, or mm. one or two. This concept of resource dilution is an interesting one. I think this happens in birth order effects, but it's something you've looked at. In other words, if there's more kids... <laughs> is one child getting less than they would have if there were fewer? What you seem to be finding is that there can be very positive impact on uh, development and, and even academic results, uh, perhaps due to a, to a competition effect. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, so we did find, um, as part of our research, we found um, that there was... Um, a, at certain ages, it was among 12-year-olds, I believe, um, we found a positive link between sibling conflict and academic achievement. So um, siblings who were reporting more conflict were um, uh, were showing better academic achievement. And we wondered if this might be some kind of rivalry effect where, that yeah, the children were kind of striving to do better than each other um, and perhaps that was spurring on academic achievement. And it's something that we'd like to sort of follow up um, because it was... I guess initially a little bit counterintuitive, um, but it's yes, yeah, it's something that we're interested to think about. And mm. probably there are some, there definitely are some upshots of rivalry and conflict um, to a certain point, a certain level of conflict and um, or rivalry may be helpful. And we know that you know conflict, for example, um, in sibling relationships is is very important to help children develop conflict management skills, but also to help them to learn about other people's thoughts and feelings and that other people's thoughts and feelings don't necessarily correspond with their own thoughts and feelings. Um, so I don't think the conflict is all bad, um, but it sort of depends on, I guess, the level of the conflict and the intensity of it and how it's managed. It's interesting you make the point that siblings are often children's most frequent playmates and, and mm. also this no-holds-barred context of the relationship. As you mentioned, you, you, you'll end up with a negative consequence if certain behaviour is directed at friends because friends have the choice mm. of whether or not they're going to continue a relationship with you. At a young age, you, you, you're stuck with your sibling. So this, again, is something you've studied. It's where you can uh, experience, very interestingly, something that may affect you in later adult relationships, experience pretty full-on conflict and have to somehow navigate a way through it or around mm. it or come back from it. Yeah, no, definitely, and that's what I think um, sibling conflict does provide a really important, I guess, yeah, it's practice for, for later on in life. And so probably parents have a very um, important role to play in kind of helping shaping um, their children's ability to manage conflict. Um, and so they can do that by trying to um, help children uh, to sort out conflicts with their sibling and perhaps by helping the children to understand their siblings 
opposing point of view a bit more. Uh, so, for example, explaining that, you know, your sibling doesn't like it when you take their toy because they wanted to play with it and it's their favourite toy or whatever. So trying to explain um, to children why that conflict happened and what how they could perhaps manage, manage it or how they might compromise around that. So, for example, why don't you have the toy for 10 minutes and then your sibling can have it for 10 minutes sort of thing. Um, you Is there a variation in the quality of sibling relationships that you've been able to uh, investigate as a result of this work? And does the quality of that relationship have a measurable effect on on outcomes, development outcomes? Yeah, so that's been the main focus of our research is looking at how the quality of the relationship, rather than just having a sibling, how the quality of that relationship um, affects children. And um, so... There are different effects in, in different areas. So we know that um, high, really high levels of conflict um, are linked to mental health problems and uh, problems with sort of conduct problem, uh, conduct difficulties and conduct disorder. Um, we also know that um, the quality of sibling relationships are related to how well children can get on with their peers. Um, so sibling the siblings are in a way a kind of uh, a practice ground for um, future peer relationships. And uh, we've mentioned as well the possible the links with kind of academic achievement. But also there are some links with cognitive development. So um, positive relationships with siblings um, and talking about emotions with siblings is linked to the ability to understand other people's um, thoughts and feelings, something that we call theory of mind. Um, so you see outcomes from the quality, um, children's outcomes in a number of areas depend on, on the quality of the relationship. And that's really been the focus of our work is mm. on the quality of the relationship rather than just whether you have or don't have siblings. What is your advice then for parents, because I know another factor is differential treatment can have mm. a, a, an impact, treating one child demonstrably differently or on a fairness scale perhaps to another. <laughs> but but what would be the things you feel like you've learned from this that, that, that are worth uh, advising mm. parents about if they're trying to maximise the quality of that relationship? Mm. So with regard to differential treatment, um, obviously you know, parents um, to some extent should try and treat their children equally but um, I think it's also important to um, not to think about that to some extent differential treatment can be sensitive parenting so if your children are quite different you're going to need to parent them in different ways if you've got a very anxious child and then a much more easygoing child you're probably going to have you know you should treat your um, anxious child in some ways differently or take a different approach with them. And um, our research looking at how differential treatment impacts the quality of the sibling relationship suggests that it's not a, really about differential treatment per se, but it's about how that differential treatment is perceived. So if children perceive that the, um, the differential treatment is unfair, that's when it has an impact on their sibling relationship. So I guess in terms of practical advice, um, the take-home message would would perhaps be for parents to explain what they're doing differently and why they're doing that differently. Um, and you can see a really nice kind of a more extreme example of this if you look at um, children in um, children in families where one child has a disability. And here, obviously, you would expect a lot of differential treatment. And indeed, you do see a lot of differential treatment. Um, but in those families, you don't see an impact of differential treatment on um, the sibling relationship because um, 
the children know why you know their brother their brother or sister with a disability is being treated differently because it's much more obvious why that it, um, differential treatment is occurring and the reasons for it. Um, so I think the key thing is really explain to your children why you might be treating them differently from their brother and sister. It can be different and equal. Any advice, exactly, yeah. any advice for Christmas then, uh, whether it's with younger children or older siblings? Because I suppose the thing about these kinds of events is, uh, you know, we're all together in one place. Uh, the, 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 there's, a, there's a need to be there, um, you know, beyond however else people might manage relationships. There's, there's the kind of the lack of ability to avoid the situation I guess and also mm. it's funny isn't it how people um, I'm thinking here of adult families here people tend to revert to the patterns of childhood mm. uh, behavior it seems to be just kind of you know everyone falls into their roles but when you approach events like this or holidays together uh, what, what's the sort of stuff you think you've learned from the study that might help people recognize and navigate the inevitable I think you're you're completely right that those things that we learn in childhood, um, you know, the family dynamics do tend to kind of come back when everyone's together. So I guess, um, I guess one thing to remember is that, that perhaps some sibling conflict might be inevitable, and not to be too overly worried by it. But I guess, you know, practical things like, um trying to, you know, make sure that everyone has a bit of time to themselves at some point, you know, so you're not all in the same room all the time the whole holiday, um, you know, making sure that you, if people need a bit of just time away by themselves, um, that they, they have that. And then in terms of children trying to perhaps, you know, monitor them and, man, you know, if they're having the particular particular conflicts coming about, trying to work out how you can manage them, help, help the, or how you can help the children to manage their own conflicts, um, and just being sort of quite, I guess, practical about it, really. And also, perhaps, if, it, if things are getting quite bad, realising that it's only for, you know, a couple of days and it will be, you know... <laughs> just survive it. will be over. Yeah, yeah. Survive it. It may all go swimmingly well. Thank yeah. you so much, Naomi White. Why yeah, thanks siblings, very much. Thank you. Why Siblings Matter, the role of brother and sister relationships and development and well-being, co-written with Claire Hughes, the result of research that they've done together. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 